0: Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran, Dean Van Dyke, will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Well, welcome back, folks. This is From Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke. And today, I'd like to welcome Al Tim. Al owns TFM Benefit Group as an and is an independent insurance agency with over fifty years of experience offering employee benefits, special small business planning tools, family and business legal service plus plans, identity theft restoration plans. <clears throat> Let our licensed private investigators do the heavy lifting. His primary focus is small business needs, whether it's debt collection, HR issues, biz, business plans, contract reviews, lawsuit, representation or voluntary employee legal and IDT group benefit plan. There is a huge need for comprehensive identity theft restoration and legal plans has really come to the foreground uh, due to the social media age. He was born in a refugee camp behind the Iron Curtain. His mother, siblings, and Al escaped the claws of communism and united with their father via the international red cross after world war II. Finally legally immigrated to the USA in 1956, graduated from tech high school tech school uh, became a naturalized citizen volunteer in the army during the vietnam era in the pacific theater and then started his civilian life he's got his insurance license and uh, series 65 license active member of the jc's kiwanis elected three terms to a city council ordained as a pastor in 1994 and it's been a joy serving the needs of people from all walks of life well
1: welcome al Thank you. appreciate that, Dean. Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, so I'd like to start with kind of a, a just a question to kind of warm things up a little bit. And um, So the question I've got for you today, Al, is what are most people afraid of that doesn't scare you?
1: People are afraid of facing the truth, and that doesn't scare me. The truth sets us all free.
0: Amen to that, that it does, that it does. And I see you do quite a bit of public speaking as well.
1: Every opportunity I can get, I get in front of people, you bet. Um, I've been doing it in uh, communities uh, throughout the area, um, whether it be business-related or also ministry work. And uh, I enjoy Being able to get out and uh, bring value and have people step forward, being involved, and perhaps uh, offering them a nugget here and there that'll be helpful in their life.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. You know, public speaking is one of the things I love to do as well, and it uh, scares my bride of 30-plus years to to do something like that so she's not one to jump in front and say let me speak but uh well that's awesome so tell us about your experience behind the iron curtain and immigrating to the u.s
1: well we um my my dad and um mom were born uh, they were married they had a land in uh, romania and uh when uh, World War II broke out and Hitler started coming through um Poland and Romania towards Russia uh they came uh, at gunpoint to recruit my dad because he knew the the German the Russian Romanian Polish um uh, they all kind of blend together in many ways and he knew those languages and they were looking for somebody in the area, and somebody told him, go see Gutlieb. and uh, so, at gunpoint, uh, you're coming with us, and he became um, a soldier in the Nazi army, not by choice, had to leave the wife and the kids behind, and off he went, and uh, neither of them knew if the other was alive uh, during that time, he wound up in uh, Stalingrad, he, he was a scout because of the language, and so he was on the front all the time, and in the meantime, um, um, when the Germans came through uh, Poland, uh, taken over, and then the um, they had German, and then they started going uh, through through Romania, and uh, soldiers came along, German soldiers came along, and passed word. Uh, out that uh, to the Germans you better get out of here because we're coming through and so uh, my mom at that time with the children had uh, had up the horses and flee on the homestead in uh, in Romania and um, that voyage went through to uh, into Poland because at that point uh, time, it all turned into German language and German uh, speaking. Um, so um, during that flight in, into Poland, that's where I was then born in a refugee camp there. While uh, the women were out working the fields, they had uh, other Polish women stay back, I'll babysit and had like kinder care for them during that time. and. And then when uh, um, uh, Hitler uh, fell and uh, they finally um, overtook him, and um, then again the Germans had to flee from Poland to uh, into, back into Germany and um, folks like us, I, I was a, a baby at that point. Um, and again, my mom had to pack up what she could. And from the settlement, she was in, a, in an encampment, and then uh, had to go on a uh, another route of escape to, um, to Germany. And the route um, uh, I was told, of course, you know, passed down from from uh, my mom and that other people during that time that uh, there were. Um, blonde German heads decapitated, uh, hanging on a tree limb as, uh, as a warning, you better get out or it might be your head next type of thing. And so um, German soldiers helped uh, get the Germans back out of uh, Poland and uh, put us on a trek to Germany. And <laughs> Germany, of course... Uh, uh, we it was still the wartime and and um uh we wound up in near Leipzig, a little village called Upschitz, and the uh, there was a bunker outside of our little village the the men built into the into the hill um were when the, when the sirens went off and the allies, the planes came over straving, and uh, yeah, the bullets came uh down, and so um, the women, the men were basically out fighting the war, and um, the women took kids and ran into um, the bunkers, the man made, and dug out in, into the hillside, and it, it um, as many as they could put in there, and and then um they stayed there for protection, and and then uh, when it was over, they came back out again, and it was communed, and then when when the war was over, <laughs> um, um, we wound up being, when the war was over, it was divided, Yeah, you know, the, the Russian, the British, the uh, American, the GIs, the Allies, and... Uh, would have it that uh, we wound up near Leipzig in that village like you mentioned and they wound up dividing Germany and we again were back in communist control we had to escape a couple times and here again now we were sitting in and under communism and and uh, during that time uh, we, uh, the women were working in the fields during that wartime and and uh, the kids uh, stayed back. Uh, my uh, my mom, uh, we we lived in a uh, upper room, like an attic room, of a small house that was a farmhouse. They had farmland, and my mom worked uh, the uh, the the fields like other women did. And uh, at night, uh, the women would uh, sneak out. Into the fields and they would uh, go uh, pick the the beets that you feed to the pigs and add feeder beets and would bring them back and and, uh, the women would boil those beets for their family so they would have some nourishment and some food. Uh, My uh, sister and my brother, uh, I was the baby of the family and we lost two of the siblings. During the from Romania and and, uh, Poland area time, still got a picture of some of that. And uh, two of uh, sisters, Hulda and Maria, we lost them due to uh, the measles turned inward on one of them. And another one, uh, lack of medical attention needs couldn't be filled with children. So that was they were part of that. That lost during that time. It happened, treacherous things happened. And, and when we had to flee from uh, Romania and then Poland, uh, it was in the winter time. And uh, the women were driving mostly the wagons, men were mostly gone, fighting the war and not knowing again where either one of them was. And uh, it reminded me of uh, when I came to America, when I saw the movies and um, Oklahoma land rush or how the West was won, people in the covered white and overcoming challenges and the conditions, the storms and all that. And here was uh, people were fleeing. Um And in their wagons, and in the dead of winter, and one wagon would pull off to the side, and uh, you'd have some people get out, and they would lift out a, a, a dead body, of um, might have been uh, a mother or grandmother, and uh, die due to malnutrition and, and fr- frost, freezing, or not proper clothing, And they would go take the body into the down into the ditch area and say say their goodbyes and leave leave it lay there. A couple of wagons later, a wagon would stop again and somebody would get out, out of the wagon and they would go down and take off the clothing for the people in their wagon that were freezing and hopefully. Uh, be a more comfort for them because the dead people were dead. The closing didn't do any good to them for sure. So people were just, it was very harsh times, fleeing several times. And then uh, uh, once we were in on the eastern side of uh, my uh, my brother Herbert and Wilmus, so my sister, uh, they had to go and stand in line for food and long lines for the, us refugees Were there was no food to be had. So they come home. I remember one time uh, they came home with uh, a couple of herring and uh, the, the herring, the meat, if you will, was already falling off, was half rotten food. Uh, it was just challenging Time having nourishment, the hunger was all over, and then illnesses and sickness. And my ma, I remember that one time when when uh, we were in our room at at night in that little room, and uh, somehow my uncle Philip, my ma's brother, had joined us also, escaped and was still alive and was with us. And that one night. And there were windows up in there, the attic type thing, and I can still see my uncle Philip holding my brother. I was standing on the ledge of uh, inside in the window, uh, the window open, and he would be feeling along the edge of the window outside with his hand while my uncle was holding him. And at one time, uh, he was fortunate enough to. Actually, he caught a sparrow in his hand, and and quickly, we were all excited. Uh, They closed the window, and and the sparrow started flying around in, in our room, and long and short of it, my mom actually prepared that to be a substance, a little nourishment for us kids. I'm sure she went hungry many, many a nights, but she she took care of her little ones and she had a heart of a lion and, and it was just awesome. And, and uh, when she'd come home, sometimes from from um, working in the fields, she'd be coming upstairs. She might've gotten a, a piece of bread downstairs, a lard on it uh, for the work that they did in the in the field. And my mom would bring out another uh, end cut or piece of uh, bread and she would slice some off of there and then take that lard that was on that one piece, spread it real thin on, on the others. So we all had a little bit of taste also of instead of just dry bread, also some uh, some grease, if you will. That's basically what I was, and so so it was very very challenging. And uh, when when we finally um, we got word through the International Red Cross, and God bless them, uh, they put a lot of people that were alive back together, families again, and they were searching, and they found us in East Germany, and my dad. In the meantime, uh, he he made it through Stalingrad and all hell on earth that took place, and he saw you yeah, all those dead fields of dead bodies mm-hmm. and, and uh, with the war was just horrific, and he made it all the way into uh into um France somehow, and in France um he was captured with a group of others they were in a bunker and and um there was a sergeant in in that bunker he um he was a oh a rough uh, nazi soldier and he mm-hmm. he said we will fight to the end we will fight to the end and and my dad and the others they were all starved and didn't have you know Decent closing and cold weather and everything. And they they just said, no, we won't. They threw their guns down. And they opened the door. And they just walked out with their hands up. Hmm. And they were captured by the first uh, uh, African-American unit, uh, armor unit, that fought in France at that time. And when I went through things with my one of my sons, because uh, we still have documentation when my dad actually was then captured. Of course, we have documentation from back then, and it showed where he was captured, etc. And uh, one of my sons uh, uh, took picture of the uh, material, the pictures and that of the documents. And he did research, and he actually found a still from a World War II GI in was either Virginia or New Jersey. He was still alive. And he mm-hmm. was part of the unit that captured my father. And so that was just huge. And we wanted to go visit and thank him. Uh, instead of killing the G.I.s, uh, you know, killing uh, the Germans coming out of there, they, they had enough mercy and grace on them to just let them live and make the prisoners of them. And I thought it would have been neat to do that and, and visit him. And uh, my, my son actually talked to his son. And uh, that gentleman was uh, frail. In in uh, condition at, at that age, and he thought it would be just too much of a shock to have somebody talk to him about that, and somebody survived because of his action. So that was special. It's just to know that. And, and so when we uh, then came into West Germany, we had to escape through the underground, and uh, uh, my uh, with us three kids in tow walking um and uh and under uh, people helping along the border helping us escape we had the last point of uh, at at one point uh, i remember uh i was four and a half years old at that point and um, traumatic things stick with you in your memory mm-hmm. in the back and right and so um it was um uh, uh the the uh, East German guards were standing there and they were grilling my mom with questions. My mom was just tough. She said, no, no, no. She didn't have anything, et cetera. And finally, they they let her go. And then we uh, were uh, found a, through the underground, we were able to get to a point where there was a farmer. The wall was not yet up at that point because it was still uh 50 uh, 46 47 right at, you know after the war and 45 mm-hmm. was over and and so people were trying to escape into West Germany and so we found a farmer there was a farmer who had land on the before it was divided had land on the in the western part of Germany and and the western Zone and we went ahead and we uh, were fortunate enough to uh, uh, get together with him, and we were on top of his work wagon, whether uh, working the fields and that on the other side. And there was a little like uh, they, uh, where the where the guards kept track of kind of people coming and going. They would get to know him during that time, and, and uh, when when they saw us coming. And we looked like uh, a farmer family going to work on the other side. And thank the Lord, um, he waved us through. And we were able to escape on that route. Wound up on a train to a little community in West Germany, not too far from Hanover. Um, And um, um, there... Uh, When I got off the train, there was a man standing there with with his arms up, and that was my dad. First time I ever met him, and when I was a real small type. uh, I've got a picture from back then when we have a family picture, and and I'm on on his lap, but that was when I was just a suckling babe at that point. But uh, so that was kind of neat to finally meet my father and that he found us through the Red Cross. My uh, when he um, when he was captured, my dad was captured. He wound up becoming a POW Mm -hmm. and he was actually uh, transferred over here to the States as a prisoner. A lot of Germans were. And he was a prisoner in the Pittsburgh and Boston area and, and uh, until it was time to release him. And uh, he wanted to stay like many of them did, but none of them could stay except uh, the intelligent, the high-minded scientists and that which they bartered between the Russia and, and the Americans um, for them. But uh, so at that point, when he came over here, and then on his way being released, he wound up in Britain. There was a, a stayover point, and he worked over there for a while on on people's farms. And then from there, he was released into, like many others, into home into the homeland, West Germany, and and um, near Stuttgart, there's a very large camp where all the refugees, the families, the survivors came, soldiers and families. They're, they're looking, the closest thing I can think of is when 9-11, when the families came, and I, the towers went down and they, came, they had pictures posted uh, of the families in that. And that's what took place back then. And, and the um, Uh, pictures of uh, men and women and and letters and um communication to find each other. And and my dad's sister Lydia Tanta they found each other, and with Lydia Tanta and International Red Cross, and finally locating us that's how we escaped. And then my mom, um, God bless her, (laughs) she you know took care of. To getting us across, but she, even though it was nothing of that value or anything, but closing in things, whatever she had that she couldn't carry, even though she put uh, backpacks or type of thing on mm-hmm. our shoulders to carry things and as much as we could. But she went back and forth across the border, sneaking across, and she came back and forth that way four different times. Wow! to just get yeah what she could and the last time they caught her and they actually in uh they, they um, uh interrogated her and it was in, um there were like a train station where they were in and with other uh, people that were caught and when it came to her turn uh interrogating her and they were like, um, two doors. And she was pointed to one door, which was to freedom. Mm-hmm. And God was with her in all of her life. He was with her. And the other door was the, I and mean, we've seen them in movies and that, the trains going to Russia and wow. Siberia into the camps where a lot of the Germans. Went into work camps, and a lot of them. Then, of course, they, they died, mm-hmm. never returning. Right, uh, and uh, it was just starvation time. And when we came and escaped, uh, then and my mom, of course, when she was released, she never went back again. <laughs> that was enough. So, so we were finally as a family together, and. Uh, the infrastructure was being worked on the roads and my dad was working on, on the construction um, road work and buildings, whatever they could find uh, to get some money, to get some food uh, the, uh, a lot of berries in the woods we would go and pick whatever we could and when I was examined I was uh, take the, the the futures and the children of any country and so they wanted to Really uh, get the children healthy again, mm-hmm. and I had myself under uh, so malnutrition. Nutrition, I was just starving, uh, starved body, uh, and 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 uh, I was called. Uh, they called it the Hühnerbrust, and, and uh, in German, and what it is in English, basically, it's uh, the word meant chicken breast, and my my uh skeleton was such that it caved into the point coming to a point in the middle and just bones just the skeleton came forward, there was hardly any you know just um skin and bones type of thing very um malnutrition and uh, starved and other kids the same way and, and so it was just really really hard but my mom was whatever they could scrape together. They they would, uh, make. She always made sure we had some food, some kind of food. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, on the we worked on the farms. We were like the, uh, in West Germany. Then uh, we were like the gleaners, like in the biblical days. Uh, talk about the gleaners after the, the harvest is taken. They let the poor people come and pick up the scraps, if you will, what was left. And in the old days, they even left a row on around the outside standing for people to come help themselves. And so we picked up whatever we could and and mixed it all together, uh, whether it be barley, uh, oats, uh, uh, wheat, whatever. And then there was uh, a mill locally and my dad took care of all of that. We would do the same thing with potatoes. After they farmed the potatoes off the fields, we would go with a gunny sack, whatever we had. We would go pick up the pieces of potatoes, and bring them home. Then we, uh, Ma, would make something. She was, you know, you make do with what you got, and she all provided whatever she could. And, and then the farmers were when they in the fall. When it was after the harvest time, they would be butchering. They'd have some pigs to put uh, butcher. Mm -hmm. And as kids, we would stand in line in the community with a a tin cup or something to uh, uh, get um, uh, the broth. They would make their own sausage in the big kettle. And, And we would then... Uh, be fortunate enough sometimes they would give us a real tiny small ring of sausage it might be blood sausage, might be liver, whatever they had. and we were just also oh, tickled pink and uh, it was just awesome to get some nourishment and we would take even even the blood we would bring home in containers from the pigs and Ma would mix it with flour and some onions and she would fry it. And then with a, a slice of bread, that would be a dinner, or supper, food on the table. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, eating the blood, you know, and, and on that basis, oh, it was just um, horrific. Uh, working the fields um, and just to have um, the nourishment of some food from the farmers would be on our needs, on our knees, weeding one row after another. We would get out of school to help the farms work mm-hmm. in the fields because they didn't have equipment like today. It was all done by hand and pulling the weeds and and uh, taking a break and we'd have some bread. They'd have a little sausage for us also. And again, just survival, survival. to right. right. Uh, well, we, we kept going.
0: Well, Al, that's been, that's, that's an amazing, uh, just an amazing story. And it just, just hearing about that and the experience you went through is just, it's, it's very, very, um, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing.
1: Well, God, thank you. God is good. And, and, uh, uh that he is, that he be- is. Yeah, 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 he really is, and and he got us together like that. That was amazing. Even doing, we lost several siblings along the way, uh, but three of us survived. And, and then when my dad, uh, once we were and and they put us back then after the war, in West Germany, then every village was, uh, the farmers because in in Europe it was the old feudal system. The farmers had the land and the cattle or horse and whatever they had Mm -hmm. in the village and outside was the land to work on. They did not live on the land. They lived in the village. And so um, that way was a different way of doing things. But, uh, you know, uh, so when we then came into that village, often then um, we came to a farmer and There was then my uncle with us, my dad, my uncle, my mom, three of us, six of us, in a, uh, well, maybe uh, half the size of a small bedroom. It was upstairs in that farmhouse, and it was their smoke room where they smoked the meat. When they, you know, uh, the, the harvest, they make their meat sausage and that, they would smoke it, so they had that. We were in a a black suit room, which was whitewashed and, and uh, some lime or whatever they put over it. And some, uh, we had no bed. Uh, uh, we never knew what the bed was until I came to America, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 we six of us lived in this. Gosh, maybe uh, ten feet by. Twelve feet, something like that. A straw sack was underneath the bed. My mom and dad would sleep in the bed, and the rest of us on the floor uh, on straw sacks. We were just happy to be together. We were family. We were surviving, and, and yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, so it was important. And, and we would um, uh, like if we take a bath, we we have one of these tin tubs. Uh, um that used for, for animals in that small tin tub, anyways. And she would that would be underneath the table during the day. And when it was time to have a bath, we all three of us kids, we would have to take turns in the same water. It's not fresh water, fresh this, fresh that. So we always tried to fight whoever gets in there first but would be happier yeah, than the last. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean
1: things like that, and uh, my, my dad was an outdoorsman and very wise in farming techniques and that. And he would uh, go in the woods, and we would go with him, and and uh, we we would walk. We had a little wagon. He somehow made a little wagon, and we would go in there pick woods up, wood up because we had. A stove, a small stove, mm-hmm. and the heat in the in that room was just from a small stove. And once we they had room downstairs, they transferred us into a two room uh, with a cement floor and a bigger space, mm-hmm. one for living, one for sleeping, if you will. And and, and they, uh and then he would bring home, uh, you know, we would collect the wood from the dead trees and that. And he got to know the forest rangers back then, because it's, it, it's not like here, you know, You you couldn't own any guns, so you had to rely on on farmers or, in this case, the forest rangers. They got to know my dad, his situation, and that. And at one time, they shot a wild pig, and they gave it to him, and, and that was that was neat and exciting for us, and. and um, because people are trying to help each other. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like doggy dog nowadays. It's sad, but it was different times. And and he I, he would put it on the wagon and cover it up with the wood and everything and and the uh, pine uh, pine tree tines and that and and branches. And and he would roll it, because we were in a house that had a hallway going up four or five steps into the level into the farmhouse in the back where we had. Our two rooms, mm-hmm. and and there he would then, so nobody would see it, and and, um, and uh, he would th- th- clean it up, and uh, that was supply of meat for us. We didn't have any fridge. We didn't know what a fridge was, but mm-hmm. they they made sausage, whatever they did, and utilized that. Um, an outhouse, we had situation there. But we there was no windows in the in that room that we were in. It was just all dark. Um, but they had a light. Um, um there was a bulb situation in, in there at least back then already. But then um behind that there was a wall going into like a a back, not a backyard, but a back area, maybe 10 feet wide, and the length might have been 30 feet. Mm-hmm. and if 10 feet but in that area there was our um that the, the other wall was the barn and they had windows on the barn and and we could and um, that there we had our outhouse and uh toilet paper people didn't know what that was so just imagine we had whatever paper we could find Etc just to keep ourselves somewhat clean it was horrific that way but uh, and and the windows then you could just see the rats crawling around standing up against the windows and, and uh and my dad um uh, went and he raised rabbits for a food supply
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and uh he would butcher them back there and we would help of course and and he would bring branches home that are like a V uh, and uh to use them to put the the rabbit skins on there, stretch them, dry them. And then we had a um, um, junk dealer, if you will. Yeah, a junk dealer that would come around, would pick up whatever people had, and then he would make a little money selling that off. And and, uh, that provided meat to us. Rabbit, And my mom was a great cook. And boy, that rabbit, man, what a feast. Whenever we had one, it it was awesome. And then I'm we sure also did, the, yeah, you know, for us, I mean, and like say other people and we're all in the same boat together. So, and, and he would go uh, because he was working and he he received stamps for working different hours, stamp, they stamped a card for working hours and all that. That's how he, you know, he brought home his money and, mm-hmm. and, Ma that one time went to, to the store, she had like a little um, basket full of paper money. And that she, a little basket like that full of paper money just to get a few things from the store. Because everything, there was nothing much there, Not no choices of much of anything, just a small country store. And, and uh to be able to get something. And there was no value to the money, the Deutsche Mark at that time. And and so it was just hard to even buy things because he didn't have enough money. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, he had, with his little wagon, we drove to a a different, um, a larger town, Uslar, maybe um, 10 kilometers or more from us, maybe 15. We walked to it. And my dad would in the spring he would buy little goslings, geese, baby geese. And then it was us kids' job to herd the geese. Because mm. he was out working all the time and and we the uh, those goslings and they grew in that they, they were kept back in the back of our by the outhouse in that area during the night, we would bring them in and in the daytime we'd have to take them out of the village and uh, feed along the railroad tracks and the grass and the dam lines, whatever they could find. And there was uh, that was a beautiful substance of food for us. Uh, and for Christmas feast, something like that It was, ah, uh, and then, you know, other people, you know, they shared in that uh, it was just, just awesome and and yeah. you know the and we I, I remember we even did uh the uh, from the windpipe, the throat uh when uh, what what my dad did he he would dry them and then um he would dry them and and they would use them to put a little beans in there and then tie them up and that'd be like a rattler for the, for, for the kids for babies and to use whatever you could nothing to waste uh, oh wow so, well i yeah
0: yeah this no this has been a great conversation alan i greatly I appreciate you providing that um experience and what an experience that was um but uh, i've got a got to land this plane here so where can my audience go to learn more about you
1: well uh, i appreciate that thank you and the uh, time flies um they can um, reach out to me at my email address, L-T-A-L-T, T like Thomas, timm one at Outlook.com. And um, they can send me an email. I'll be glad to visit with them. If they're in the area, I have a cup of coffee with them. Uh, many times I just sit down and we just, for hours, just talk and, and People are interested in hearing it, and um, but it's it, it, it's part of life. It's you know, it War is. is hell no matter what side you're on, you know. So many unnecessary people that got murdered, killed, lost a limb, and still doing it, and, and you know, so it, it's a very sad world, but God is good, and it's all in God's time that he will come back.
0: Amen for to that. the, well, for we the will, saints amen to that we'll definitely include your email address in the in the show launch um well appreciate you joining us today al on from battle to business and i will uh let you know when the show is ready when it goes live
1: i appreciate that and i will share it on my end here thank you so much dean for doing what you're doing god bless you you all things that you put your hands to in jesus name amen
0: thanks for listening in order to help others please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network if you want specific guidance feel free to book a complimentary call with dean at deanvandyke.com remember you wouldn't go into battle alone and now you don't have to in business